The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. November 1 edition of PFTPM. We sit here on the 22nd anniversary of the moment, the switch flip on ProFootballTalk.com. November 1, 2001. I still remember vividly the process of setting it all up, not knowing what was going to happen, not knowing if anyone was going to read it, not knowing what the hell I was doing. Let me give you the background on this real quick. I stumbled into the business in 2000. There was a website called NFLTalk.com. And I learned about it in an article in USA Today. Now, before that, I stuck to the AOL universe. There was a sporting news page that gave you NFL information by team. And for me, that was a godsend. Spending all my years following the Vikings, you don't get a whole lot of coverage in the papers that focus on the Steelers. So the idea of having regular updates on what was happening with them and the other teams, that was great. And I had never really ventured beyond what you got for your monthly fee at AOL. I learned at NFLtalk.com. I started reading it every day. Early June, they were looking for writers. Yada, yada, yada. I sent in a sample. Yada, yada, yada. They hired me, although hired They didn't pay me anything, but I did it. I enjoyed it. There was something about it that I liked. I thought I was good at it. I was writing columns a couple of times a week. They started having me do more stuff. I started doing more stuff. They weren't paying me. At some point, my wife was like, why are you doing this? And I like it. I remember saying, I like it. It's fun. It doesn't cost me anything. And who knows where it may lead. And here it's led 22 years later in the interim. NFLtalk.com went under... In early 2001, the tech bubble burst for the first time. I don't know how many times it's burst. It seems like it bursts every so often, but it burst. NFLtalk.com and its parent company, Sports Talk, went under. ESPN came in and bought the carcass, and they hired some of the employees to provide content for the ESPN insider service in a way that simulated what was happening at SportsTalk.com. They had the various verticals for football, basketball, baseball, et cetera. So I ended up somehow being the guy who got hired. It was a sitcom style premise where ESPN, I don't think knew that I was practicing law full time while I was doing that kind of full time. I started to work on the ESPN stuff 5 a.m. until 10 a.m., get my work for the day done, go practice law, come back. It wasn't seamless. It wasn't perfect. There were days where I just couldn't do it, but I did that. And then initially it was on a six month contract. They offered me a one-year extension. I still have it in my files. I found it not that long ago. And it's like, it's just amazing to see it. And instead of doing that, which would have been effective November 1, 2001, I decided I'm going to start my own thing. I'm going to do my own thing. And here we are 
22 years later, it grew slowly, but inevitably no money for the first three or four years. You got to prove yourself somewhere. You prove you love it by doing it for free. And then with Sprint in 2006, started making a little money. NBC, 2009, it changed everything 14 years plus later. Here we are, and we'll keep going for 22 years more, hopefully, if not longer. And I appreciate everybody out there, what this has become, how it's changed, how it's grown, how it's evolved, the different platforms, the different avenues, the morning show, this, whenever I want to do it, Football Night in America on NBC. It's just amazing. And I never could have said, I never could have envisioned, like, that's what I want to do. So I'm going to go do it. There was no job like this. There was no position like this. Like if I was trying to explain this to the 10-year-old version of me, the 10-year-old version of me would have just been sitting there glassy-eyed with, you know, drool coming out of the corner of his mouth. I wouldn't have understood it. How would anybody understand it? So anyway, I understand it now. I enjoy it now. I appreciate every minute of it. And I appreciate each of you out there that allows me to do it. Because if you all weren't reading and listening and watching, we would be dead. We would be gone. My primary loyalty and duty is to you. I say that time and again. It's honesty. It's candor. It's service to you. I'm not trying to grease the skids for access. I'm not trying to, oh, I can't make that person mad because then they won't talk to me. I'm going to tell you the truth about what's going on. I'm going to share unvarnished opinions. Sometimes it makes it a little harder to get access, but the people who get it understand I got a job to do. They got a job to do. And for what they get paid, criticism goes with the territory. Speaking of criticism, we spent a lot of time on PFT Live talking about the situation with the Raiders. And look, I said what I had to say. Josh McDaniels never should have gotten that job. What's Josh McDaniels done? to make anyone think he was ready to come back and be a great head coach after his failed tenure with the Broncos. All he did was say no when people wanted him. And it created this mentality. Ooh, I got to be the one to get him. Maybe I'll be the one to get him. Maybe I'll get him. I don't know why he said yes to the Raiders. I don't know what he thought was going to be different. Maybe he thought Mark Davis would just sit back and let him take as long as he needed. Won't want to pay the buyout. Already had to give a bunch of money to John Gruden. Didn't want to fire him. I thought he didn't want to fire McDaniels. And then he did. Davis never should have hired him without having the patience necessary to give him a chance to incorporate the Patriot way into the way the Raiders were operating. You need to get the right players. I don't know how many players out there are conducive in today's NFL to the Patriot way, but regardless, it takes time. And he didn't give Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels enough time to really make it work. And I also spoke my mind about the fact that Mark Davis, if he truly loves the Raiders, should get the hell out of the way because he's not fit to run a team. He's just not. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But there's no mechanism to hold owners accountable. You can't do a referendum. You can't fire them. That's one of the reasons I think it would make sense for all of the teams to be corporations with boards of directors, because maybe the CEO needs to be fired sometimes. Well, when the CEO owns enough of the equity and has the controlling vote, nobody can do anything. The Raiders would be better off. The NFL would be better off if Mark Davis was not running the team. The Raiders would be the AFC's version of the Cowboys. The Raiders would be must-see TV because you'd either love them or you'd hate them. 
for the past 20 years you don't care about. They're not interesting. They should be. They should be very interesting. The silver and black, once a Raider, always a Raider. It's just a mess. So we spin it forward with Antonio Pierce, now the interim head coach, with news that Aiden O'Connell, the rookie who started one game this year when Jimmy Garoppolo was injured, getting the start this weekend. What happens with Jimmy Garoppolo? I've seen some suggest that, well, given what's happened in the past day, maybe teams should have been calling the Raiders about Jimmy G, such as the Vikings. Would the Vikings really have benefited from Jimmy Garoppolo? Look, we went through the whole thing the last time they were on Monday Night Football and Troy and Joe were saying he's a winner, he's a winner, he's a winner, he's a winner. He's a guy who can win football games when he has a great team around him. He's a don't-screw-it-up guy. And what did he do with the 49ers? He screwed it up. He got injured week three of the 2018 season by trying to drop his shoulder at the sideline at Arrowhead Stadium and tearing his ACL. He screwed it up in 2019 in the divisional round. Scared the hell out of Kyle Shanahan. Turned him into Bob Greasy for the rest of the divisional round game and all of the NFC Championship. He threw eight passes in a conference championship game to cap the 2019 season. In the Super Bowl, he was on track to be the MVP of the game. Up 10 points. Seven minutes left. He got freaked out by Chris Jones. Started being careful about throwing the ball over the middle of the field because Chris Jones batted some balls down. Then when the Chiefs went ahead, Emmanuel Sanders open. Championship throw time. Jimmy Garoppolo failed that test. Either pass it or fail it. So he doesn't have mobility. He doesn't process information quickly. He doesn't throw accurately on a consistent basis. And he's always injured. Why would you want him to be your starting quarterback? Why did the Raiders sign him to be the starting quarterback? What were they thinking? And then he fails the physical and they can rip up the contract and move on. And they didn't. They should have. That $22.5 million that was fully guaranteed initially and then became guaranteed fully once he passed his physical, that's wasted money for Mark Davis. That could have gone elsewhere. I think that with Garoppolo... What's going to happen? Because I don't think that they're benching him to put him in bubble wrap like they did late last year with Derek Carr, but that's part of it because he got $11.25 million in injury guarantees become fully guaranteed in March. So keep him healthy. Don't let him get injured. You won't owe him that money if you cut him. I think if he can pass a physical now, I'd cut him. Let him have his salary for the rest of the year. You avoid the $11.25 million. You avoid anything screwy happening. Weight room accident, falls off the toilet in the team facilities bathroom. I'm kidding, but any injury that keeps him from passing a physical before that $11.25 million becomes fully guaranteed, they're on the hook for it. Get him out. Get him out. Bye-bye. See you later. Jimmy G, move on. Avoid that $11.25 million. And... I don't know, but would somebody sign him to be a backup? The 49ers wouldn't. I don't know. There's not enough bad quarterbacks to go around in today's NFL. So somebody would probably bring him in as a backup, but he's not anybody I would trust to be a starter. I said earlier he's a bottom-tier starter. You can make the argument he has no business starting the NFL at all, and I'm sure he's a nice guy. But you don't just get regarded a 
high quality NFL starting quarterback because you've been on a team that won some games despite your presence and you're good looking objectively and you may be a nice guy and you really want it. There's a lot of guys out there that fit that category. What's Garoppolo ever done to earn it? Is there one game where he's ever made that big throw in the big spot? And you're like, man, that Jimmy Garoppolo. Ooh, wow. He was on it tonight. Oh, look at that. He snatched victory from the jaws of defeat. If anything, he snatches defeat from the jaws of victory. Speaking of that, <laughs> uh, the commanders. I mentioned this earlier today on PFT Live. And I just want to kind of revisit it in a platform where I can speak about it without having to worry about breaks or having to have an interaction with a co-host, although I enjoy that. Sometimes I enjoy the ability to talk about whatever I want to talk about, undeterred and unfettered. I caught wind over the weekend of some chatter in league circles with this notion that when the season ends, the commanders will trade with the Patriots to get Bill Belichick, that that's where this is going. I also heard separately, everyone's out when the season's over in Washington. Jason Wright, team president, out. Martin Mayhew, GM, out. Head coach Ron Rivera, out. And what happened yesterday is consistent with that. Trade off both Chase Young and Montez Sweat. Sounds like Josh Harris has decided he's going to exercise the billionaire's prerogative to bring in his own people. And that's fine. That's what you get to do when you own a team. And the job for the people who stay is to win. And if you don't, you're gone. They're in a position where they could still win, but these trades hamper their ability to do so. But it lays the foundation to have a brighter future. So here's how it would go if it goes this way. And it makes some sense to me because the Sunday Splash report from a week and a half ago, when Ian Rappaport came on to NFL's game day morning and said, quietly in the offseason, Bill Belichick signed a lucrative multi-year contract, yada, yada, yada. It adds some context to the cries at the time to get rid of Belichick. I thought it came from Belichick's camp to put a hose on the idea who was going to get fired during the season. I think the other side of it is by getting it out there, it sends a message to any owner who's thinking now, who am I going to hire as my next head coach? Because we know how that goes. We'd prefer that they wait until after the season to begin the process, but somebody gets in their mind, this is who I want, this is who I want. So if Josh Harris already has it in his mind, he wants Bill Belichick or some other team that knows it's going to make a change, I want Bill Belichick. I doubt the Raiders will do Patriot way twice. Whoever it is, though, knowing that Bill Belichick has multiple years left on a contract, committed to the Patriots, you know what that means? Regular season ends, Robert Kraft does nothing. Robert Kraft doesn't fire Bill Belichick. Robert Kraft just sits back and waits. For what? For the phone to ring. Josh Harris. And here's the way the procedure works. We need to do the refresher. I need to do it for myself every year. I assume every year this comes up, it's something we need to discuss. The procedure works like this. Here's how it's supposed to work. I'll tell you how it actually works. Here's how it's supposed to work. Josh Harris would contact Robert Kraft and say, I'm interested in exploring the possibility of hiring your head coach. What compensation would you want to release him from his contract and negotiate a contract with me? They work out a deal for whatever the compensation would be. After that deal's in place, and only after that deal's in place, 
Josh Harris would have permission to contact Bill Belichick directly. They would negotiate. They would work out a deal. Robert Kraft would be off the hook financially. He'd get the compensation if Belichick and Harris work out a deal and everybody moves forward. That's how it works in theory. As a practical matter, what happens is somebody from the commanders, not Josh Harris, but somebody farther down, will reach out to Bill Belichick's agent or someone loosely connected, and they'll have the proverbial conversation that never happened. Hypothetically speaking, would you be interested? Would your guy be interested in coaching the commanders? My guy may be interested in hiring him. Would your guy be interested in doing it? Well, let me talk to my guy. Well, my guy may be interested. Is your guy, well, my guy may, what would it, in theory, hypothetically, what would it take to hire him? How much money? Well, you'd need that. Well, hypothetically, that would be acceptable. And it all gets lined up before the formal process starts. When the phone call is made, 99 times out of 100, the deal's already in place between new team and coach of the other team. You don't make the call unless you think you're going to be able to hire the coach and you have ways of finding out that you can hire the coach. So that's what would happen if it comes to it. I don't think it's come to that yet, but it's definitely a theory that's out there. On the NFL's grapevine, Bill Belichick traded by the Patriots to the commanders after the season. And that would let the Patriots move on without owing him any money, and they'd get back some of the picks they gave up to get him in the first place when he said on a cocktail napkin, I retire as HC of the NYJ. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Arizona Cardinals are in the news today, but there's really no news. As I was processing everything that happened with the Raiders, I got an email from ESPN PR pointing out that there's a new deep dive hashtag long read that ESPN.com has published about dysfunction in the Cardinals organization. I didn't read every word of it, and I would submit to you that nobody reads every word of one of these 10,000 word stories, even the people who take to Twitter to applaud the person or persons who wrote it. Nobody reads it all. You can't. It's too much. And I skimmed it, read it, read some of it, skimmed some of it, was looking for news. That's one of the things I've learned over the last 22 years. You get an article, I know how to find the news in it. And I'm looking and I'm reading, I'm scrolling, I'm skimming, I'm looking for news. There's one bit of news, and it is a name that's attached to a claim that was made by Terry McDonough, former Cardinals executive who filed an arbitration claim earlier this year. He alleged that Michael Bidwell, the owner of the team, berated 
a black employee in a racially charged manner. The name of the employee, Alfonso Knight, came out in Steve Wilkes' deposition, given as part of this effort to litigate Terry McDonough's arbitration claim. That's the only news. Nothing else in there. And there may be some different quotes and different anecdotes and different stories, but none of it changes what already was out there. Michael Bidwell allegedly can be abusive to employees. Michael Bidwell allegedly creates an environment in the workplace where men and women are treated differently. Yada, yada, yada. And if it's happening, it shouldn't. And it's good that a light is being cast upon it. And the Terry McDonough arbitration claim maybe results in some positive change for everyone in the Cardinals organization. But the real concern is this, if you're Michael Bidwell, at what point does the NFL say, this looks bad. We need to get Mary Jo White on the case. And having her show up is kind of like having an audit of your taxes. They start looking. Maybe they find something. Maybe they find something other than the thing they started looking for. That's what happened to Daniel Snyder. So as long as Michael Bidwell can stave that off, he doesn't have to worry about possibly being forced to sell. The fact that the Cardinals are largely irrelevant, sorry, Cardinals fans, it's true, that helps. If this was the Cowboys, maybe we're closer to the point where Mary Jo White has the bat signal activated and shows up and starts poking around. So that's what I keep looking for. And the allegations, the reporting, sorry, ESPN, all due respect, really nothing new in your long story. I know it looks like a lot of words and it's a lot of work and I appreciate that, but you really didn't give us something that causes us to say, wow, the NFL better do something about that. We wait for that wow. And I think the wow could come from Alfonso Knight, she declined to comment to ESPN. She's still working for the team. If she goes on the record, if she provides specifics that make people say, uh-oh, that's not good. That's really bad. He shouldn't have done that. In comes Mary Jo White, and maybe eventually out goes Michael Bidwell. And if you're a Cardinals fan, this gets back to what I was talking about with Mark Davis. If your team's dysfunctional, and you have a chance to change the owner, embrace it. Now, the problem is you drop a house on the Wicked Witch of the East, the Wicked Witch of the West may be even worse because the only requirement to own an NFL team is to have enough money to buy the team. There's no IQ test. There's no football test. There's no emotional intelligence evaluation. There's no, is this person an asshole? Yes or no. Is this person going to run the situation the right way? Yes or no. There's no way to prove that. It's all driven by money. So you could end up with someone worse. You could end up with someone better. You definitely end up with someone different if that's what happens. One more topic I want to get to, because there was some development yesterday, posted the item at PFT on a busy trade deadline day. The moment on Monday night, when we're minding our own collective business, watching the game between the Raiders and the Lions, first drive of the game, questionable non-call of intentional grounding, Jared Goff throws it in the direction of Jameer Gibbs. It lands far from him. It doesn't seem to land in the vicinity of an eligible receiver. No call of intentional grounding. Joe and Troy bring in John Perry, the rules analyst, who's a longtime NFL referee. John Perry says, 
probably should have been ground. Drive continues. Lions kick a field goal. Commercials run. Game returns. And there's Walt Anderson. For the first time ever in clothes other than his referee uniform that he used to wear. Walt Anderson, the senior VP of officiating, with his NFL shield on his polo shirt, brought in, pipeline, straight from 345 Park Avenue, where he's watching the game and issuing rulings on reviewable calls or non-calls. He explains the rule. He explains that Jared Goff throwing the ball in the direction and vicinity of Jameer Gibbs, proper non-call of intentional grounding. Now, as I said yesterday on PFT Live, the rule says the ball must be thrown in the direction of and land in the vicinity of the player. Throwing it in his direction, having it land in his vicinity. The idea that Jameer Gibbs could have reached up his hand and touched it, well, if it's a missile that soars by his head and lands 20 yards away, it doesn't land in his vicinity. And that's not what it was Monday night, but you get my point. Walt Anderson didn't exactly state the rule accurately. And as I said yesterday, sorry if I expect the person who's ultimately in charge of all NFL officials to know the rules. Sorry if I'm asking too much. So what I wanted to find out yesterday after the show ended, why did they do this? How did they do this? And how should we expect this capacity to be used in the future? Because my immediate takeaway was twofold. One, they just undermined John Perry, who's under salary to be the rules analyst for ESPN. He says, yes. Walt Anderson says, no. And two, how often are they going to use this? When is this going to happen? This unannounced cameo like Don Rickles on The Tonight Show back in the day. When's it going to happen that Walt Anderson's just going to show up during a game? And what does it mean when he doesn't? My overriding point is you cannot be selectively transparent. You either are transparent or you're not. You can't just randomly say, hey, let's put Walt on to talk about this one. I mean, that night alone, there was a fumble later in the game, Lions fumble, Raiders recover, controversy about the ruling. Where's Walt? We just had Walt. Walt talking about a meaningless, non-call of intentional grounding on the opening drive of the game. We're getting to the meat here. We're getting to the crunch time. This is a big call. Where's Walt? So unless you're ready to use him all the time, you shouldn't use him any of the time. And the NFL's position is they have Walt Anderson available to communicate real time with the game broadcast about calls that are made. And it's one thing to communicate off camera. The capacity to have him on camera is something that they've had in place for several years in certain circumstances, they believe it's necessary to use. This was the first time they decided to use it. I don't know what distinguishes this from anything else. You know, I don't know if it was in place in 2018, but it would have been a good time to have Al Riveron chime in on why pass interference wasn't called against the Rams in the NFC Championship game. So the problem with this is you can't just barnstorm in random. It creates an expectation they're going to use this all the time. And if they do use it all the time, why are the networks paying for rules analysts? I mean, really, and I'm not trying to get Terry McCauley, Gene Steratore, Dean Blandino, John Perry unemployed here. But, you know, one of the ideas that has kind of sprung up in the aftermath of all this, why don't they put some money together and go get Dean Blandino and let him be the guy 
who's available for the primetime games, for the standalone games, for the 425 p.m. Eastern games, who can come in and explain to large audiences why certain calls are made or not made. And hey, for the money the networks would save on not having their own rules analysts, and I'm sorry, current rules analysts, I'm not trying to you know, take away your gravy train, but that money goes to Blandino. Just charge the networks a fee for the in-game rules analyst. That pays for Blandino. Not that the NFL needs that anyway. They don't need to spread that cost around. They should do it anyway. They should value that position. They should already have Dean Blandino, 7 million, 10 million, whatever million a year, because he was good at it. And part of the reason he was good at it, some of the rules analysts who were referees, sometimes I wonder, are there rivalries from when they were referees that have lingered into their role as rules analysts? Are there axes to grind? Are there scores to settle? Is a rules analyst more likely to be critical of this referee than that referee? Is a rules analyst more likely to support this referee than that referee? Blandino was never a referee. Blandino doesn't have those relationships. And the one big takeaway I had from the item Peter King wrote years ago when he was running the Monday morning quarterback at SI.com, he was embedded with Gene Steratore's crew. And it was clear they obsess over their grades. Obsess. It's competitive. It may be a little catty at times among these referees. Everybody's jockeying for position. Everybody wants to be the favorite. Everybody wants the Super Bowl. I think having someone like Blandino be the voice in all these broadcasts. Again, if you're going to do it at all, that's the way to do it. That's the right way to do it. Somebody who's very good at explaining the rules, somebody who's good on camera in speaking in a way that's extemporaneous and compelling and persuasive to the audience and ultimately is willing to say when a mistake was made. That's the other problem too. When the NFL used to have Mike Pereira on total access once a week or Dean Blandino when he had that job explaining different rules and admitting mistakes as needed, the referees got mad. They got mad that they were getting called out. Well, then don't screw up. Everybody else has consequences in this sport when they screw up. You're the only ones that don't have to answer to the media on a regular basis after every game about your bad calls. So, you know, you don't like getting called out. Don't screw up. So... Um, anyway, the NFL ultimately said they believed it was warranted on Monday night to use Walt Anderson in that spot. They didn't explain why it was warranted then. Moving forward in these standalone primetime games, every time there's a controversy that results in the rules analyst entering the discussion, the question I'm going to have is, where's Walt Anderson? And does the fact that he didn't show up in that moment count as evidence that he agrees? with whatever the rules analyst had to say. All right, let's answer some questions. 22nd anniversary edition. Before I do that, before I do that, let me make my pitch for new book. New book, here it is. Doesn't that look great? My nephew, Anthony Zeech, did the cover. And the cover is very meaningful. If you read the book, you'll see why the cover has meaning. Um, but uh, it's a quick read. I wrote it in the month of December in 2021. It's an idea that I had for about 10 or 15 years and I would think about it usually during the holidays because it's got that holiday setting to it. And it was right after Thanksgiving in 2021. And I wasn't traveling that year, second year of the pandemic. 
I had more time to write at night. And I just thought, what the hell? Pop open the laptop down in the barn, get a little bourbon, light a cigar, and off I went. And I wrote it in Christmas season. I worked on it pretty much every night except Sundays because Sunday night was football night. But I'd find time every day. It was one of those things where it just kind of flowed. Like I didn't have to put a lot of thought into it. It just kind of wrote itself. Put it on the website last year, one chapter a day, like an advent calendar, and decided this year on our way home needed to be, you know, it's, it just feels good. It weighs exactly a pound. It feels good. It looks good. It turned out great. And I don't care about the money. I mean, I've been blessed to make a pretty good living talking about, writing about, and thinking about football. I don't need to worry about this hobby that I've developed on the side turning into a revenue stream. So if you buy this for $9.99 on Amazon right now, and I ask that you do, I ask that you pause right now. This is me being a salesman. Pause right now and pull up Amazon.com, search on our way home, Florio. You can get it for $9.99. It's $9.99. You've been coming to the website all these years. You've been listening to the content. You've been watching the show. And I know Peacock costs money, but a lot of the content's free. Everywhere else, it's free. The YouTube clips are free. PFTPM is free on YouTube. That's possibly where you're seeing it. The website's always free. The money that I get from this, every penny is going to the Humane Society of Harrison County, West Virginia, and up to the first $10,000. And I hope we get to $10,000. I'm just turning the money over without worrying about taxes. I'll pay the taxes on the $10,000. I looked into all this itemized deductions and whatnot. I don't itemize deductions. I don't have enough for it to happen. I don't want to get too far into my tax habits, but I'll just pay the 10,000 that I get from Amazon directly to the Humane Society of Harrison County, and I'll pay the taxes on it. After 10,000, I'll pay the taxes first. I don't want to, I don't want this to get, I don't want this to get too crazy, but, but so it's going to cost me about four grand, five grand, somewhere between four and five grand if we sell $10,000 worth of these. So I, I hope we can. It's a story that is very personal to me. Not that it's about me, but it's just something that I felt like I put a lot of myself into it. And it was emotionally challenging and it delves into issues along the lines of family relationships. And really that's the core because I think the holidays are the perfect time of the year to mend broken relationships within our families. And the family unit, is the centerpiece of our life. At least it should be. If there's a relationship out there with a family member that has become fractured, this book, I hope, will inspire you to fix it before it's too late. The biggest tragedy would be to have a broken relationship unrepaired before you reach a point where there's no way it can be repaired. And for those who read it, who are in or were in a relationship that was broken beyond repair and wasn't fixed. Hopefully this helps you come to terms with it and forgive yourself. I mean, we all make mistakes. We're all human. We all have weird things that motivate us. And the people you're around all the time are the people you're most likely to fight with. They're the people you're going to get irritated with. And sometimes that leads to a break in the relationship, a fracturing of the relationship. This is about, if you read it, hopefully when you're done, when you get through to the end, hopefully you cry 
in each of the last three chapters. I do every time I read it. It's like, what the hell am I doing? I wrote this thing. Like, I know what, where this is going. Why is this affecting me emotionally? Bottom line, I hope you read it. I hope you buy it. If you didn't pause before, this is your last chance. Pause now. Amazon.com. Florio on our way home in the search box. $9.99 for the paperback. It'll look great on your mantle. It'll look great on your coffee table. And all the money goes to provide care and feeding for dogs and cats in my local community that are awaiting their permanent homes. And there's a dog and a cat that kind of factor into the story. I don't want to tell too much about it, but I've said before it lands at the intersection of A Christmas Carol and It's a Wonderful Life. And it's a Christmas story, but it's a ghost story. And I think it works. I really like it. I hope you'll like it. And now I'll answer some questions. Pitch over. Okay. PFTPM Posse. With the longtime PFT NBC partnership, combined with your business partner, Larry Mazza, how much time do you have to spend, if any, dealing with advertisers or marketers? Does NBC slash Larry take care of that? Not looking for any trade secrets, just generally curious. Yeah, I don't have any herbs and spices that I'm holding close to the vest. Since we have partnered with NBC, and the way this works is we license all of our content to NBC. I own 100% of the equity of PFT. I'm able to just focus on the work. I focus on creating content. I focus on the show every weekday morning. I focus on traveling to New York for Football Night in America. I focus on podcasts. I focus on creation. I don't have to manage. I don't have to deal with marketing. I don't have to deal with advertisers. NBC handles all that. And Larry is the liaison between me and NBC. And it works well. And it has worked well. That's his gift zone. My gift zone is to just create, create, create. And everyone benefits. The less time I have to spend doing anything but creating content is more time we create content and it's more money that everybody makes. Another one from PFTP and Posse. Can we please bring back after further review one of our favorite segments last year? It's greatly missed, especially as the state of officiating continues to deteriorate and becomes more confusing even for us diehard fans. I've been trying to talk more about officiating here. Chris isn't on on Wednesdays. And I want to have Chris involved when we do after further review because he brings that former player perspective. So there's really no time to do it. Tuesdays and Thursdays aren't good for it because there's other stuff to get to. So I don't know. We got to figure out what we're going to do. I just need to get him to work on Wednesdays. I, I need to take that up with the folks at NBC. We moved his day off in season from Monday to Wednesday, and I'd rather have him on Monday in studio together at NBC. But yeah, I'd kind of like to have him with me on Wednesday and we could do after further review. If the NFL and pro football cease to exist, how dare you, for whatever reason, what would you do? Retire, pivot to another venture, go back to practicing law, full-time on the pepperoni rolls at tomorrow's bakery. Uh, well, I mean, if the NFL would just suddenly disappear, I don't know what I would do. I really don't. I mean, we own part of tomorrow's bakery. My wife goes over there every Sunday and helps out. Um, maybe I would do some stuff with that. I would, I would write. I would definitely write, but I'm already writing one or two books a year at night when I find time to write. So I don't like, if it was all I did, I, I don't know. I'm not big on sitting around and doing nothing. I guess I would find something else that I was sufficiently interested in that I could be 
fully engaged in all day long and write PFT style blurbs about and talk about. I would get up to speed on something. I don't know what I'd find something, but I would spend as much time as I could writing. I've got like eight books done now. I still don't know what I'm going to do with the rest of them, but we'll figure them out one at a time. Um, but uh, yeah, I hope the NFL doesn't go away anytime soon because I don't plan on retiring. All right. Uh, some more stuff from uh, PFTPM Posse. A nice little note of congratulations. He discovered the website when he was a junior in college back in 2004. He's visited 25 times per day, consuming all of it. That's good. Well, I appreciate it. He even had the PFT magazine. I got the cover of the PFT magazine on the wall in here. Now, the one and only PFT season preview magazine. We did it once and only once and never again. James M. Does doc, does doctor, I'm looking at Dr. J144. Does Deshaun Watson have any financial incentive to play? Does he get paid the same whether he plays or not due to a fully guaranteed contract? Also, does being medically cleared affect that? He gets paid everything. And the way it works out, it's basically $46 million exactly in cash every year. The bulk of it was signing bonus last year for the final four years of the contract, unless there's been a restructuring and maybe there was this year, the way it was set up when he signed it, it's 46, 46, 46, 46, 46. 230 million, 46 million a year, five-year deal. That's what it was. And he gets paid. He gets paid all of it. There's no per game roster bonus. There's no contingency that he actually plays. Medical clearance doesn't matter. It's not like he's refusing to play. See, if he refuses to play, if the team says you're good to play and he refuses, that's when he potentially jeopardizes his guarantees. And let me just say this. I haven't written this yet. I've been thinking about this. I watched Deshaun Watson's press conference last week. And when he was pressed about whether he's happy with the team, whether he wants to play, at one point he mentioned his contract situation. Well, the only thing about his contract situation that has even been an issue this year was posted by us the day of the game against the Titans, week three, six days after the Monday night game in Pittsburgh, where he had two blatant and egregious face mask fouls, made contact with an official, wasn't ejected, wasn't suspended. I got his contract. I looked at it because I was curious. And I saw the path toward an on-field incident resulting in a suspension, allowing the Browns to say, we are invalidating the guarantees, we're tearing up the contract, and you're gone. And he mentioned his contract situation. And again, that's the only thing about his contract situation that's come up all year. And the Browns never publicly said, we have no desire to do that. We're fully committed. We wouldn't invalidate the guarantees. And I can't help but wonder, to the extent that there's something weird going on, between Watson and the Browns, and you just feel it. I've been doing this 22 years now, longer than that. PFT, 22 years, covering the NFL, year, year and a half before that. You just kind of feel something weird. They've done nothing to eradicate that feeling that something weird is going on. And it could be. We posted that item on the Sunday of week three. He caught wind of it. He got pissed off that the team didn't come out and say, that's poppycock. That's ludicrous. We're never going to invalidate the guarantees. And that was the start of the wedge. If there is a wedge, it feels like there's a wedge. 
But when he says contract situation, and that's the only thing about his contract that's come up this year, I can't help but wonder whether or not there's something to it behind the curtain. Dr. J144 again, can you explain how the Giants can have a quarterback active on game day who they don't trust to throw a pass? That's coaching and GMing malpractice. Look, here's the bottom line. As I said earlier, there aren't enough bad quarterbacks to go around. There just aren't enough quarterbacks. That's the strongest argument against expansion. There aren't enough quarterbacks. And when it falls to Tommy DeVito and he's just not ready, it's a sign that there's not enough quarterbacks. Another one from Dr. J144, I've heard you say there's a risk of hiring a defensive head coach because if the offensive coordinator is good, the coordinator gets hired away and needs constant replacement. Are we seeing in San Francisco that the same risk exists with an offensive head coach who has good defensive coordinators? They'll miss eventually when it comes to hiring a defensive coordinator. And that's possibly what's happening. The defense has slipped in San Francisco. Steve Wilkes, who was much praised when he got the job and how a lot of people think that he should have been the head coach of the Panthers, me included. Maybe there's an issue there. Maybe Steve Wilkes isn't getting it done the way D'Amico Ryans and Robert Sala did. But I still want my coach to be an offensive expert because it's that relationship with the quarterback that carries the team. It's what makes everything go. You need to have that guy in place because if the coach is a defensive expert and the offense coordinator's gone, you got to find somebody else to have that all-important relationship with the quarterback. Barnacle Boy, congratulations on 22 years. My question for you is, do you think Sean Payton has the Broncos bought into his culture and heading in the right direction? Not necessarily this year, but in general. Hey, beating the Chiefs, that could be that moment where anyone who is reluctant decides we're in. We're in. We'll see. It's going to take a lot for them to make it to the playoffs this year. It's going to take a lot for them to even be in contention, but this is the kind of year that can lay the foundation for something positive next year. Assassin XVI. Assuming the interim coach does not become the permanent coach this time, either for the Raiders, what's your recommendation to Mark Davis for Raiders head coach? Here's my recommendation. Cast a wide net. Take your time. Consider all options. Find people you trust who can give you advice and make some good decisions. I don't think it's fair to have one or two names. Go hire that person. Go hire that person. Go through the whole process where you get to know as many people as possible. Take the full opportunity to do so. You know, he can start interviewing non-NFL assistant coaches now. He can spend the next nine weeks doing that. He can be doing his research. He can be gathering information my advice to any owner is don't have a preconceived notion. Don't have a predetermined winner. Go into it with a broad and open mind and force yourself to keep an open mind, gather all the relevant information, and then make your decision at the appropriate time. ATP Sports Talk, could the Lions season collapse if Ben Johnson gets the Raiders head coaching job? I, ben Johnson's not going anywhere until the season's over. He can't leave in the middle of the season. And we already have an interim coach for the Raiders anyway. It's Antonio Pierce. So that is not anything that's going to happen. James Broska, did Jets versus Raiders not get flexed because NBC didn't want to deprive its crew of a weekend? <laughs> NBC doesn't make those decisions, James. That's an NFL decision. And I one, one vibe I've gotten this year, it's going to be hard to flex any game. You've got 
the afternoon networks that have to be taken care of. You've got flexing available for Monday nights and Thursday nights late in the season. It's going to take a lot to get games flexed in and out of prime time. You, you wait and see. That's my gut feeling. It's going to take a lot. Amused to death. What's the real reason Carson Wentz is unemployed? He threw 27 touchdown passes and seven interceptions his last season. He has to be better than Josh Dobbs for the Vikings. I think there's a couple of reasons. First of all, Carson Wentz is prone to doing something stupid when you least need it. We've seen that all too many times. Things go haywire. It's a key moment. He tries to do something that he's not physically able to do, and it's a disaster. Second, I don't think he fully accepts what it means to be a backup quarterback. I think he'd come through the door thinking, I should be the starter. I should be the starter, not supporting the starting quarterback. And third, there's just enough about relationships with teammates and some of his other stops that and also financially, what does he want financially? Does he want more than a team would pay a Josh Dobbs for the balance of the season? So, look, I just think that the ship has sailed. If he was going to get an opportunity, it was going to come this week with the, the Vikings. And we'll see. Halfway through the season, there'll be other quarterback injuries. There have been a lot of them so far. Will his phone ring at any point between now and the end of the season? If it doesn't, good chance it's just flat out over. I mean, he wasn't even on a 90-man roster with any team. He didn't get a chance to come in and get up to speed and learn things. So, yeah, it's not looking good for Carson Wentz. And I don't know what the real reason is. I think there's a lot of factors, and I think teams have just concluded this is not a guy that we want to put at number two or number three on the depth chart for a variety of reasons. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. All right. Uh... John Kasich, is there any momentum for the NFL to move the trade deadline back? The Tuesday after week 10 to 12 would make things more interesting. They moved it from week six to week eight, 10, 11 years ago. Then they add a week to the regular season. They should at least move it to the Tuesday after week nine. I think at a minimum, it should go to week 10. I don't believe in a trade deadline at all. I think it should be open season all the way until the end of the regular season. If teams want to do arm length deals, if there's a team out there that wants to bring somebody in and think that they're going to plug and play that player in a way that doesn't disrupt the team's vibe, as you're getting ready for the playoffs, fine. They want to give up future assets, fine. You want parity? Let the haves give some draft picks to the have-nots for a player that's going to leave anyway after the season. And let that team try to factor that player into an organization that's already moving in the right direction. I don't like the trade deadline. I think it's arbitrary, and I think it's unnecessary, and I think it's un-American. Free enterprise, baby. Anytime the two teams want to do a deal, they should be allowed to do a deal up until the regular season ends and the rosters for the teams that don't make it to the playoffs lock. McBaum squad member the past couple of weeks, there were some big bad or missed calls on PI that changed the outcome of the game. Is there still any traction to add one team challenge per game on a PI flag? Look, we had pass interference replay review 2019 disaster standard was moving all over the place. They need to have some sort of mechanism for replaying pass interference, calls, and non-calls. They need to have it. They don't. They screwed it up so bad in 2019, they'll just deal with the current situation, flawed as it may be. 
All right. Uh, I should probably wrap it up. It's almost two o'clock Eastern time. Got plenty of radio this afternoon. Got to get back to work. Again, if you haven't done it yet, if you wanted to wait until the end, here's your reminder. Amazon.com. On our way home. Every penny I get goes to the Humane Society of Harrison County. It's a quick look. Look, it's, it's 200 and how many pages? 260 pages. And, and it goes fast. I, I wrote it so it would go fast. I've learned a thing or two over the past few years on how to write in a way that carries the reader from one page to the next and one chapter to the next. Buy it. It's a good cause. It's a good message. And it may contribute to having a great holiday season for you and your family in 2023. Thanks, as always, for some of your time. PFT Live tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. Eastern, the Joint Mega Picks podcast after that. Doors are always open at profootballtalk.com. Thanks so much for any time you've given us over the last 22 years. I hope that 22 years from now, I hope, let me do the math. Holy shit, I'll be 80. <laughs> oh, shit. 22 years from now, I hope I'm sitting in this chair, this same chair, X chair, baby. Unpaid advertising. This thing's great. It's comfortable. I hope I'm sitting in this same chair, in this same room, with this same background, saying thank you for some of your time. And we'll see you next time. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.